Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Unidentified chunks of meat rain down from the skies. And then we take a look at the Falk monster from Falk, Arkansas. I think that's how you pronounce it. It's one of those episodes. Was a giant ape-like beast terrorizing the people of that town I can barely pronounce? Or was it something far more sinister today on Dead Rabbit Radio? Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Dead Rabbit Radio. I'm your host, Jason Carpenter. I'm having a great day. I hope you are having a great day too. It's 9 degrees. I'm recording this in the morning and it is 9 degrees. And fun fact, because I'm sure long-time listeners of the podcast know I can't run my heater during this time. So let's go ahead and get started. And if I never release another episode, I have died of exposure in my own apartment. So the first story we're going to cover is actually from the Conspiracy Iceberg. And it's one that is not super well-known. I think the phenomenon is well-known, but usually it's in other things. There's been reports, even today, not actually literally today, but even in modern times, there's reports of just fish falling in the middle of the plains of Idaho or a bunch of... I don't know, octopuses falling all over the desert. And basically what it is, is they're water spouts that suck up a bunch of water and fish are like, ah, it's like the the worst alternate ending to Finding Nemo you can imagine. And they all just get dumped, like 50 fish just get dumped in the middle of nowhere. So you're walking through the forest and you just see a bunch of fish laying on the ground and they're dead. And you're like, oh... That sucks. But, you know, well, actually, you'd probably be like, that's quite mysterious. I don't think you would automatically just feel sorry for the fish. But that's a known phenomenon. It's really weird because that's where how a lot of plant life gets seeded to islands are these water spouts. And even animals, little bugs have gotten sucked up in these water spouts and then dropped off in an island. And they're like, this is our new home family. And then they're like, how did these how did this type of mosquito get to this island from a water spout? But we're not talking about water spouts today. The year is 1876. America had been founded for 100 years already, and things were going great other than that civil war that just ended not too long ago. We're in Bath County, Kentucky. So a bunch of little Kentuckians running around, doing stuff, and thatched huts, just living off the land. One day there's a farmer out there, smoking his corncob pipe, Thinking of someday of starting a feed and seed store. But today, he's just trying to enjoy the good weather. Thump. Thump, thump, thump. The farmer's like, what in the world? What in tar nation is that? Thump, 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 thump. He starts to see bloody, chunky pieces of flesh and meat fall from the sky. Well, I, I will smack my butt and call me. <laughs> okay, okay, enough of that, enough of that. Anyways, so he sees all this blood stuff, 
a it, it fell from the sky. Okay, now here's the thing. It it wasn't just like a little pile of it. It didn't like neatly form like a little pile. It was it covered an area by 100 yards by 50 yards, so quite sizable. Now the whole thing wasn't covered in glop. It wasn't like you couldn't walk, you couldn't see the ground. But there was bloody chunks everywhere, just spread out everywhere. Now, of course, what are you going to do? You're going to call your friends. They didn't have phones back then, so he just like ran to town and said, Hey, guys, you got to come check this out. There's a bunch of bloody meat all over my lawn. So they all show up. And they, sure enough, it's still there. It's still bloody. It's still fleshy. Still pretty gross. So what do you do? It's 1876. You're curious. You want to know what this is. So they started eating it to figure out what it was. They started eating it. Now, they go, okay, that's disgusting. Like, I think it's I think it's gross enough. Like, people still eat roadkill, but I get it. It's a survival thing. And, you know, you cook it and you're fine. But if a bunch of meat mysteriously fell from the heavens, I wouldn't be, I'd be thinking maybe an angel got caught in it. Well, they didn't even have planes back then. I was thinking maybe an angel just got blown up. Someone threw some dynamite up, blew it to smithereens. But anyways, they started eating it. And basically, there was a bunch of disagreements. Some people said, it tasted like lamb. Mm, It tastes a lot like lamb. Another guy's like, no, 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 no. This is deer meat. This is definitely deer meat. And one guy, a famous hunter in the area, said, no, I know exactly what it is. It's bear. It has to be bear. I've eaten bear my entire life. I was eating bear in the womb. My mom put a teddy bear up there. I ate it. This is bear. They did take it eventually to get tested by, like, some old-timey scientists. So they had, like, beakers and stuff like that and bubbling, bubbling little vials. And they tested it, and they came back. They said, it's lung tissue. And all all the hunters and everyone who tasted it is like, hmm, yeah. And then the scientist goes, it's lung tissue of either a horse. And everyone's like, what? Or a human baby. (laughs) all the hunters throw up a human baby now apparently their lungs are similar in material like the way their lungs are and here's the thing so the old-timey scientists and the modern-day scientists felt that what happened was and again this puts eating and eating it into a into a new perspective they think that some vultures ate something and then when vultures are scared they vomit up the food that they ate so they can fly away quicker. Now, I've never tried that particularly myself. I've never been eating at McDonald's and a bunch of hoodlums running, and I'm like, gotta go, and just, like, bounce out the back door. But apparently, that's a survival mechanism for vultures. Maybe we should try it. Maybe we'd get out of more sticky situations that are, like, slipping on the vomit. But they said it was vultures throwing it up. So these people may have eaten human baby, and they may have eaten vulture vomit, But the debunking to the debunking is that vultures only weigh up to six pounds in America. And there was a ton of meat there. Like, there was more meat than you would have to have a flock of vultures, which, you know, they are social creatures in America. So who knows? That's a Kentucky meat storm. But what's odd is nine days after the Kentucky meat storm, it happened again in London. Bunch of meat just fell from the sky. But that's small potatoes, or that's small chunks of baby lung, compared to what happened in 1968. So now we are in modern times. We've got much better scientific techniques. People aren't walking around picking up meat, just eating it. 
So, you know, we're good. We're solid. It's 1968. We're in the Periba Valley in Brazil. Periba Valley. And it's August 15th. There's a police officer just driving around on his motorcycle. Running a siren for no reason. He's in the middle of nowhere. Comes across a field of blood and meat. One square kilometer of blood and meat. Stops his motorcycle. Looking everywhere. Looking for a bunch of like body parts. There's nothing there. Just chunk, little chunks of meat. Blood. So anyways, so the police officer's like, this is disgusting. Like, I'm used to seeing, like, gross stuff, but not, like, just mysterious gross stuff. That's different. Now, he obviously starts talking to people. He's like, hey, dude, what's up with all this blood in your field? And they're like, we saw it. The locals were like, we saw it happen. Cop's like, okay, what happened? They're like, it came from the sky. What? Yeah, we were at work. There was a ton of reports in this area. People were, were at work. I think these, these some of them were like bricklayers, and some people were just doing their laundry. And all of a sudden, droplets of blood started falling, and huge chunks of meat. Just, when I say huge, they're about the size of like a quarter or a little bit bigger. They weren't like flank steaks falling down in rump roast, but any of any size of meat falling from the sky is too large to fall on you. People, the locals were like, yeah, dude, we were just working. All of a sudden, I looked down, my hand was covered in blood. I look up, chunks of meat are falling at me. We all ran inside. Women were doing their laundry. They're like, ah, gotta do my laundry again. No planes flew by. They're like, listen, man, where we're at, there's no planes. We're not in any sort of flight path or anything like that. We don't know what could have caused that. Because people are like, well, maybe like a plane hit a goose or a like a whole flock of geese chopped them all up, turned them into meat, and people are like, there's no planes, we're not in a flight path, we didn't see a plane, we didn't hear a plane, just a bunch of blood started falling down. And actually, this one, they were the size of small stakes, so yeah, probably a little bit, probably about the size of your hand. They were spongy and purplish. So that makes me think more lung, because lungs do tend to be purple. But it was a mystery. People were like, well, we found all this meat, all this blood fell down. That's super spooky. People thought it was the end of the world, obviously. 25 days later, same valley, noon. It's a nice sunny day. It's 12 p.m. I can't see my shadow. This is cool. This is always the best part of my day when my shadow disappears because they scare me. But instead of shadows, more blood. It just comes out of the sky. Blood and meat begins raining down. It's always the blood first, which is weird. The blood comes down first. It lasted three to four minutes this time, and when they were able to collect all the meat, it weighed a total of three and a half pounds of meat. just (laughs) falling everywhere. So they take it to the scientists. So they take it to the scientists, and they're like, what is this stuff falling on us? And the scientist is like, hmm... This was odd. It was very specific in one thing, but then they didn't really know. They said it's heart and kidneys, most likely heart and kidneys, of a female mammal. That was as good as they could get. Human, goat, who knows? Any any female mammal. So that it's just I thought it was weird that they were able to determine the sex of the chunks, but not like exactly where they were. But they said most likely heart and kidneys. Now, these guys weren't eating them. They're like, this stuff is purple and gross and it's fallen from the sky. We think it's the end of the world. We're not going to eat angel flesh. But 
they don't they still don't know what causes this again the explanation in the old time was vultures and when you look at articles on this they'll be like oh this was debunked it was just vultures but the amount of vultures you would need to to spit up 100 yards worth of meat and blood is quite a lot and then in the brazil story in 1968 they, they said yeah birds might be throwing up a plane might hit something but the locals are like no that stuff didn't happen and then science just goes oh well then don't worry about it don't worry about it it is weird that it happened twice within a month in Brazil, in the same area. So what is causing meat to fall from the sky? Nobody knows. Tons of different answers. Tons of different questions. It's, wouldn't it be, this would be what would be chilling. Imagine you were a serial killer in another country. You're like chopping up your victim, and you're like, now I just have to dispose of this body. And then a water spout's like, sucks them out. Now I guess you would have to be near the ocean to do that, or like killing people on a boat. But what a great way to dispose of bodies. Just go to a place where there's a bunch of water spouts and you're like, throw them in the water and then you just sail away before the water spout gets you as well. Who knows? Who knows what's happening? It is a mystery. It is definitely a strange occurrence that happens on this planet. And people try debunking it. But the fact is that at any point you could be walking down the street and all of a sudden blood and meat start falling on you. My one piece of advice, it may be a human baby. So please, please, please don't eat it. Just leave it on the ground. Our next story that we're going to talk about is the, I think it's Fook, Fook monster. We're going to keep calling it the Boggy Creek monster because that's much easier to pronounce. But we're going to the town. We have to say it one last time here. We're going to the town of Fook, Arkansas. It's 1971 and this young couple has just moved into a new house. You have Bobby Ford and Elizabeth Ford. They're the couple. And then Bobby's brother and sister-in-law are staying at the house for this week. They're like, yeah, this is pretty awesome. Yeah, this kind of neat house around the middle of nowhere. It's kind of cool. Hey, did you hear it? Reading the news about the thing a couple years ago where all that meat fell from the sky? Yeah, yeah, I heard that. I think an angel got blown up. Yeah, me too. So anyways, the boys go out hunting. Load up the rifles. We're going to go kill some deer. And they leave the women at home. The women at home, while their husbands are out hunting, they're just like, you know what? Let's take a nap. You know, maybe something might have happened between the two women. Because it's dark and cold and they're alone. And, you know, you got to keep warm. You got you to gotta warm each other sometimes. You got to get a little close, ladies. You got to just it's, just, it's just an experiment. You're just experimenting. There's nothing wrong with it. But anyways, these two women eventually do fall asleep. Why would they fall asleep in the middle? Okay, but anyways, anyways, they're out hunting. The two women fall asleep mysteriously in the living room at the same time. Hint, hint. And Elizabeth Ford is sleeping in the living room. And now she wakes up to a noise. And a noise that she doesn't expect to hear. Well, not now. She might have heard it earlier. But she hears the sound of heavy breathing. She looks at her sister-in-law. She's still asleep. She's like, oh, well, I must, I must have rocked her world. But she still hears the heavy breathing, and it's coming from outside the house. And at that point, she sees something outside of her front window. Now, the front window is open. It's just a screen now, you know, because you got to let the passion leak out of the house before your husband comes back. But anyway, she's sleeping there. She's awake now. And she sees through the screen window a large creature, a large creature that she describes as seven feet tall 
and three feet wide, so quite massive. Basically, a giant linebacker is standing outside of her house. She just hears it. Huge red eyes staring at her. She's like, what the hell is that thing? And then, giant paw pushes through the screen. That easily pops off because a baby can push the screen off. but And it had these massive three claws on it. And it begins kind of like sweeping the couch. Like looking for something that might be laying on the couch. It's it's detecting the sense of sweet, sweet love, forbidden lovemaking. And it's just trying to grab something, but there's nothing there. The passion has moved on. The creature. So, of course, at this point, Elizabeth is screaming her head off. Which I'm not going to do on the podcast because a lot of people listen to this podcast while they're sleeping. But she screams. She goes. She does. She goes. Ah! But just turn the volume up during that point. So her husband and her brother-in-law hear the noise. They're like, "Oh no, we got to go back." Like, why is our wife screaming? That was weird. We heard her moaning earlier, but now she's screaming. So they run back. I'm glad they added the lesbian subplot to this. The hunters run back to the house, and they see the back of this giant monster, like, reaching into the house, trying to grab something, and they hear Elizabeth still screaming. Oddly enough, the sister-in-law still dead asleep, apparently. It really must have rocked her world. The brothers begin to shoot it. Creature turns around. And the bolts are having absolutely no effect on it. So Bobby runs up to the porch. To get it. Now, again, we're going to get into the specifics of this story in a second, but something seven feet tall and three feet wide, your best bet is, you know how, like, when they shoot bullets at Superman and they run out of bullets and they just throw their gun at Superman? This is the equivalent of that. You're unloading your hunting rifle into a seven foot tall beast. The bolts are having no effect on it. So I don't think your best bet is to then engage in hand to hand combat with it. But Bobby runs up to the porch and the creature tackles him knocks him to the ground, and then jumps up and runs away. It ended up like they found the footprints. Like after Bobby's like, oh, that was a stupid idea. And he runs in and his wife, his half-dressed wife is like, oh my God, I just saw a monster. And he's like, did it tear your clothes off too? And she's like, uh, yeah, yeah, it tore my clothes off. They find these footprints and they're three-toed footprints, like three-toed claws. And there's three claw marks like not just like the claws it's like had three claws is what i'm trying to say they didn't just find like three different claw marks like whatever it was had three fingers and three toes and it ran off into the darkness so immediately it becomes this big story down in the south and they were calling it the boggy creek monster or the southern sasquatch and people are like oh yeah yeah bigfoot's here bigfoot's here yay let's hold it a parade there's a lot of issues with this story People started coming out saying, you know, I saw Bigfoot back in 1946 when I was a little boy. And other people were like, I remember seeing the Bigfoot when I back in 1956 when I was a teenager, necking with my girlfriend. And all this stuff came out. But there were no reported sightings of this creature before 1971. People said they saw it before 1971, but they didn't report it until after Bobby and Elizabeth Ford had this incident and they moved out of the house afterwards they're like we're not going to live here anymore local authorities the scientific community said it could have been a mountain lion because we all know how mountain lions are normally seven feet tall and three feet wide could have been a mountain lion could have been a small ape could have been a tiny little ape 
People, though, were like, no, 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 this is Bigfoot. And Bobby and Elizabeth, they ended up moving out of the house about a week later. They're like, we're not living here. So let's take a look at the specifics here. One, Bigfoot is generally known as a primate. and all the Bigfoot sightings, it is an ape. And it has the... And if it has primate feet and primate hands. So it leaving three, having three toes and having three claws doesn't match with anything we know about Bigfoot at all. Now, this is a huge Bigfoot story, too, in the South. And there's been that movie, uh, The Legend of Boggy Creek or the Boggy Creek Monster. They've been tons of movies about this thing, tons of books written about this thing. It's always identified as a Bigfoot type creature, as a Sasquatch. But that, other than the size of the creature, it doesn't match with what we know about Bigfoot. It was hairy, too. I guess I should have said that. It was, it was a big old hairy creature. But the three, fe- the three toes and three fingers do not match anything we know about Bigfoot. Even the claws don't really match anything we know about Bigfoot. Like, big, long claws. Don't think it was a mountain lion. I don't think it was an ape. Now, there's two ways we can look at There's three ways we can look at this. One is the most likely scenario. That it's completely fake. That Bobby and Elizabeth moved into this house. They immediately realized that they either couldn't afford it or they didn't like the area. They made the story up as an excuse to leave the house. That's the most likely scenario. The second most likely scenario is that they saw a... Well, here, then we'll go to the most unlikely scenario that they saw some sort of giant cryptid that's been undiscovered by science, some sort of creature that's not a Bigfoot, a three-toed, three-clawed creature that came smashing into their house. But I actually think the truth lies somewhere in between. My first inclination was they're just trying to get out of their agreement. They're either the rental agreement or the purchase of their house. That was my first inclination when I was reading the article. But this is what's interesting. The three claws kept bugging me as I was reading about it. I think it was a giant sloth. I think it was a giant sloth. So it's kind of in between a cryptid and a natural answer. Now, giant sloths have existed in... There There are giant sloths today. They're just bigger than normal sloths. And I guess I should say, for you, those of you who don't know, sloth is a giant creature, or sloth is a creature with three clawed toes and three clawed fingers. They're generally pretty slow, so we'll get to that in a second. But the giant sloths of America were up to 20 feet tall. They were massive creatures. And we're talking like prehistoric America. But the giant sloths of Arkansas specifically were only 10 feet tall. So now we're back into the realm of around 7 feet tall. And they're super huge. I mean, they're very like bulky creatures. They move really, really slow. And I get that. And I know this one ran away. But I think it's most likely that these people didn't see a Bigfoot, mythical Bigfoot creature. I think it's possible that they saw one of the last remnants of a seven-foot-tall sloth of that area. That they were out in the boonies, and this giant sloth came out of nowhere, and if you saw the back of it, you would think, oh my god, it's a giant Bigfoot. You'd basically think that is a monster, because how often do humans come in contact with things bigger than them? Bears are really, in America, bears are really, well, I guess elk too, and giant deer. But you know what I mean? Like, a bipedal creature that's bigger than you, they're incredibly rare on this planet. Wait, are they? UFC fighters, and then bears, and then giant sloths. I think it was a sloth. It would make sense with the toe prints. It would make sense with the claw prints. 
it would make sense that it was around that size in Arkansas. The only thing that you, science would have to argue on that is that the sloth was the giant sloth was extinct at that time. But they've been wrong before, and I think the answer of it being a giant sloth is far more likely than a Bigfoot, just because of the descriptions. And it's funny because as the legend grew, this is we have this sighting. All the other sightings are like I saw a Bigfoot. It was a big ape, and it ran like an ape, and it had ape arms and stuff like that. But this one had the claws. So I think that this was an actual event where I think they basically found a giant sloth that attacked their house. And then the running away thing, I think anything that's seven feet tall that's moving away from you is going to seem like it's quite big, especially right after you've gotten tackled. I think don't think you're going to look up and you just see it kind of lumbering away. You're going to be like, oh, no, it ran away. Like, I think that it would just be so scary to see but it, maybe it did book, maybe it did straight up kick bricks. Like, it, maybe it was just like, I'm out of here. Like, for the first time in his life, it went from being a sloth to being Jesse Owens just to get out of there. And he's like, oh man, that sucked. He's running off. The sloth was saying that, not the person. The person, Bobby Ford, I keep wanting to call him Bobby Hill. Bobby Ford is glad that he took off. But that's the only thing that doesn't jive with the sloth explanation. And what's funny is that imagine if, Back then, instead of going the whole Bigfoot route and trying to make all these stories about Bigfoot in this area, they went the route of, oh, we have a new cryptid down here. It's a giant sloth that actually can exist. Whatever the answer is, though, I talked about this before in another episode. When human civilization starts butting up against the wilderness of the world, I think these clashes are inevitable. As we move deeper and deeper into cryptid territory, and there's a the world is still very, very wild in a lot of places. As we move closer and closer into these areas, the chances of us having interactions with these things go much, much higher. I don't find Bigfoot necessarily scary because I still think the evidence of whether or not it exists is up in the air. But the idea that an actual creature we do know existed, the giant sloth, the fact that there could be one or more of these things still running around in the world, I think, is scarier. What would it have done if someone was sleeping on that couch? If those giant claws actually hit human flesh? It's interesting because that encounter could have gone a totally different way. Imagine there wasn't four people in this new house. Imagine it was just one who got a nice little house in the middle of nowhere. Young woman who wanted to just have some privacy. And one night she falls asleep on her couch. Once she's finally noticed that she hasn't shown up for work, and her friends are getting concerned and they send people to that house, they would have found what by all accounts would have simply been a crime scene. Lots of blood. Maybe a body. Or maybe she just vanished. And you could go through all the crime scene analysis and all the questions about what could have happened. But all the police would have found was a busted screen window that looked out into the cold Arkansas night. DeadRabbitRadio at gmail.com is going to be our email address. You can also hit us up at facebook.com slash deadrabbitradio. Twitter is at Jason O. Carpenter. Dead Rabbit Radio is the daily paranormal conspiracy and true crime podcast. You don't have to listen to it every day, but I'm glad you listened to it today. Have a great one, guys. Bye.